Hi everybody, uh, welcome to another vlog, podcast, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, uh, from me, Barry, at Turning the Page. And uh, sometimes when I'm listening to people, I, I hear like little comments that yeah, really touch the heart, bring sort of a sense of sadness at, to a degree. And some of them are like really, really firmly held beliefs that that if they keep saying it to themselves um, over and over again, then it's going to create a, a sense of unwellness. And often there is a sense of unwellness within them. And you, you just feel, I just feel really quite sad. And phrases such as, uh, God is punishing me, heard that many times. God is angry with me. And one that I heard recently called, which was, God hates me. And look, I, I don't think I've ever felt that God hates me, but I have, uh, particularly as a child, um, wondered whether my illnesses or problems might be the consequence of something I've done, that uh, God is punishing me. Like, uh, you did this, and so here's the punishment or the consequence. Uh, start doing the right things, and then God might be inclined to help you. It seems logical, doesn't it? Uh, and isn't that what typically happens? You do something and there is a consequence. So we can easily uh, create a conclusion by how we add up the facts or what we perceive as the facts. Um, that I did something and therefore God is going to punish me for those things. And there's a consequence and, and God's angry with me. God hates me. And those conclusions, they really become... Uh, like belief systems um, that sort of everything passes through the brain and they can become so so deeply entrenched that sort of everything flows into them and the brain doing what the brain was designed to do uh, wires itself uh, to look for further evidence that those conclusions are correct and we begin to have what I call a negativity bias and um, I've written a post about it on the life of Jonah, and now he had a negative bias. But it's like it's um, A plus B plus C plus D plus E equals God hates me. And um, so some of those A plus Bs and so on could be A, God is angry, B, God judges, C, life is hard for me, especially compared to what I see in others, and I call that comparatonitis. D, there's like repeated failures, problems, suffering and pain. E, it could be that, that there is a thing called punishment. It's legitimate. And F, here's a doozy. <laughs> there's even a verse that seems, seems to say that God can hate people. And it's from Malachi 1 and 2 to 3, which says, Esau, I have hated. Um, you'll need to come to the website and there's a link to an explanation about that. Um, God doesn't hate people, okay? Um, but when you add up all those factors, it's a very reasonable conclusion to come to that God can hate someone and that someone can be at the bottom of the pecking order and that you're a failure and they have nothing to offer. But, you know, when I hear the words, uh, God hates me, I feel really quite sad because this is a God that I don't know. And... It will be so easy to say to someone who's got that belief, uh, you're wrong, and here are a hundred verses to prove that you're wrong. But 
Um, I believe we're called to be shepherds of the soul, not biblical bullies. I'll say that again. Shepherds of the soul, not biblical bullies. So I want to ask questions. Questions that are, are gently curious to... Um, uh, that they have this kind of poetic power to unlock the places of the heart, places where Holy Spirit can actually bring perfect counsel. So here are some questions that sort of run through my brain. There's actually 12 of them. <laughs> There's probably more too. Um, what is their religious background? Look, I want to know about the shaping forces that have happened from people and groups that they've been involved in. Look, some churches and some people, they just rule through fear. They present God as being distant and angry. Um, they're also into Bible literalism, where the Bible is to be read as literal truth. No room for interpretation or discussion. And often these churches can be very patriarchal and male-dominated. And uh, there's a black and white approach to life. Number two is, what facet of God's expression are they focusing on? So I like to think of God as being like a finely cut diamond and each face of the diamond reveals a different aspect of the nature of the whole. And when we focus on God as having the ability to be angry, just focusing on that, then that is all we see. We become, it becomes like a dominant fear-based belief. But there, look, there are so many other facets of brilliance that need to be focused on. You know, God is a loving parent, a, a mother hen gathering its chicks, a, a creator of beauty, um, a romantic allure. <laughs> There's so many. You see, where you focus is where you go. And if you want to keep, or if you, if you choose, and this is a choice, to focus on God being angry and hateful, that's going to shape your brain. Number three, has there been a personal critic or abuser in their upbringing? Uh, it might be a parent, but it could also be a family member, a church leader, a coach, someone who has, in a child's mind, represented what God might be like. Uh, one who has maybe has set impossibly high performance standards for the child. Someone um, they were hopeful for love but it was dependent upon performance. Uh, number four, how does comparatonitis play out in their lives? Look, this, this is a deadly disease and it, it's virally spread. <laughs> comparatonitis is the disease of comparing oneself to another. And this might be comparing yourself to people you know, but it can also be comparing yourself to those in media, uh, particularly social media. And we all want to know how we're doing compared to others, don't we? We look to others to be a benchmark and, and we look at other, what others present and we think that's complete, but actually there's a big backstory behind their, their so-called completeness. Um, but... When we look at others to be the benchmark and we don't measure up, in our opinion, we think it, we are failures. God hates us, but loves them. <laughs> uh, number five is, do they understand how the brain works? The brain wants to keep us safe. And so through repeated experiences, we form belief systems to keep us safe. The brain, as um, uh, Rick Hansen says, it's like Velcro for the negative and Teflon for the good. And, and that actually... Um, forms our underlying expect expectations, beliefs, action strategies, and mood in an increasingly negative direction. But we can actually change the brain. Not the whole, not taking put, put a new one in, but it's not fixed, it's not concrete. Um, we can actually change the way we think and how the brain works. 
it's more plastic and moldable than concrete and firm and fixed. So number six is what is their repeated self-talk? Look, I, I really want to know um, what is what it is is it that they're repeatedly saying to themselves, just in the background, you know, I'm hopeless, I'm useless, I, I'm hated, I'm, I'm worthless. Um, are they self-cursing or self-blessing? Yeah, I firmly believe that the words you say will actually steer your life. And I have words that I say to myself every day about how much I'm loved by God and have purpose. And I, and I, I actually have it on audio um, and I listen to it every day. Number seven, what stage are they on in their spiritual formation journey? Now, um, we are all on a journey of spiritual formation, learning, growing, and maturing. And as the Apostle Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. And one of the most helpful learnings I've had was when I did a paper on uh, Fowlers. Um, this is a uh, actually a Methodist, I think, priest, a pastor. Uh, he developed these stages of spiritual formation. And one of the stages is stage two, which is a mythic literal faith, where faith is seen as a matter of things being black and white. No mystery. Uh, everything is literal. Uh, doing good results in a good result. Doing bad will cause a bad thing to happen. And God is seen as a kind of a man with a long white beard who lives in the clouds. <laughs> um, Fowler, he attributes age groupings to these stages. And for this stage... They are aged between 7 years old and 12. But look, I've met many adults, even older adults, who are still stuck in this stage. They feel, I suppose they feel kind of safe with this black and whiteness. And look, I've, I've known churches and faith groups that are also stuck at stage 2. Um, perhaps for the person asking the question of, does God hate me? Uh, this is a time of transition and invitation to move into other stages of spiritual formation. Number eight is, what is their locus of control? Now, locus of control is a psychological term that points to the degree which people believe that they, as opposed to external forces beyond their influence, have control over the outcomes of the events in their lives. So, Am I merely a puppet to the strings being pulled by God, or do I have self-autonomy? Um, how much responsibility are they taking for their own life and the decisions made? Are they blaming the outcomes on God, Satan, or someone else? And there's also, I've got another um, post uh, here, you can find in the links, called Spiritual Bypass. And number nine, what do they understand the purpose of the Bible to be? Is the Bible a rule book? Perhaps they see it as a blueprint, map or guidebook. Uh, I love the subtitle of Rob Bell's book, What is the Bible? In which he described the Bible as being an ancient library of poems, letters and stories. And I think we need to treat it this way. We need to understand the context and the times for which the words were originally written for that some of the words are poetry and not literal fact. Um, the Bible is a collection of writings about how God has related to people like us, going through a broken world like ours. Number 10, what version of the Bible are they reading? So often those with views of God hating, punishing, etc. 
will have been reading versions of the Bible, such as the King James Version, which was translated in the 1600s. Okay, it's a long time ago now. And it is full of language of that time, not now. Look, Jesus never used the King James Version of the Bible. Okay, understand that. He didn't say these and thous. No. Instead, he actually spoke in words that the people of the day understood. And he, he, he was here walking with us. He would use the language and the, the, the stories and the idioms and all the words that we would normally use. And in his day, he probably spoke in Aramaic. All right. Um, and then other parts of the Bible were originally written in ancient Hebrew and Greek. So we need to understand that. The, get a better translation, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> KGB has its place, but um, if you want to grow, there are other better translations. Uh, number 11, do they understand the difference between justice, mercy, and grace? And look, much of our world demands justice, black and white, right and wrong. But there is a transition that must be explored moving from justice to mercy and from mercy to grace and that, that's the path of God takes us all and the invite is for us to take the path ourselves you know move out of the demand of justice and self-hatred to mercy to grace and then to give it to others uh, Daryl Johnson explains the three this way and that is justice is getting what is deserved mercy is not getting what is deserved and grace is getting what is not deserved. Number 12, the final one. There's probably more though. Um, do they want a mysterious adventure? Look, some people want to stay safe in their fixed belief about God and life. But I found that God is not like that and has an unrelenting desire for us to leave our safe little hobbit holes. <laughs> if you look at the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Um, and here's a quote from the Hobbit. Then something tookish woke up inside him. This is Bilbo. And he wished to go and see the great mountains and hear the pine trees and the waterfalls and explore the caves and wear a sword instead of a walking stick. I love that. You know, and so much of our spiritual journey and our formation journey is waking up. Something tookish woke up. We decided to um, move out of that, that um, safe black and white and have an adventure. And also think of the biblical character of Job and how he most thought, likely thought that God hated him. But in the end, he discovered a deep closeness with God. A relationship that was only discovered by going through the mystery. And then there is a um, bitter with God, Naomi. <laughs> who eventually holds a baby in grandmotherly arms. And that's from the story of Ruth. And what about um, that religiously murderous Saul thrown to the ground, but awakening to a point where he wrote a love letter, the most profound love letter, 1 Corinthians 13. Recently, I've um, had this phrase running through my brain. I don't know whether it's original to me or someone else I've read. But how you see God is how you see everything. Uh, how are you seeing God? Is God angry, distant, aloof, punishing? How you see God will influence, in my opinion, everything that you do. It will colour your life in ways 
you're not even aware of. Albert Einstein put it this way, I think the most important question facing humanity is this, is the universe a friendly place? This is the first and foremost, uh, this is the first and most basic question all people must answer for themselves. So I'm going to ask you, is God friendly? So um, next week, um, in the next post, we'll be exploring how to change from does God hate me to God loves me. So here's some quotes to consider. The Bible is not a book about going to heaven. The action is here. The life is here. The point is here. It's a library of books about the healing and restoring and reconciling and renewing of this world. Our home. Rob Bell. And here's the big version of that uh, Albert Einstein quote. I think the most important question facing humanity is, is the universe a friendly place? This is the first and most basic question all people must answer for them themselves. For if we decide that the universe is an unfriendly place, then we will use our technology, our scientific discoveries and our natural resources to achieve safety and power by creating bigger walls to keep out the unfriendliness and bigger weapons to destroy all that which is unfriendly. And I believe that we are getting to a place where technology is powerful enough that we may either completely isolate or destroy ourselves as well in the process. That's a big statement, eh? If we decide that the universe is, universe is neither friendly nor unfriendly and that God is essentially playing dice with the universe, then we are simply victims to the random toss of the dice and our lives have, but have no real purpose or meaning. But if we decide that the universe is a friendly place, then we will use our technology, our scientific discoveries and our natural resources to create tools and models for understanding the universe. Because power and safety come through, will come through understanding its workings and its motives. God does not play dice with the universe. Albert Einstein. <laughs> Here's that quote from Rick Hansen. Uh, the brain is like Velcro for negative experiences, but Teflon for positive ones. This shades implicit memory. Your underlying expectations, beliefs, action, strategies and mood in an increasingly negative direction. Rick Hansen. C.S. Lewis, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. C.S. Lewis. Three questions to finish with. At a heart level, what is God like to you? Two, what do you think of the statement, how you see God is how you see everything? And three, out of the 12 questions above, which one causes you to stop and want to know more? So that's this week's post, and um, love to hear from you uh, about this topic, Does God Hate Me? It's a huge topic, and I looked up some stats, 1900, people, uh, 1900 searches are made on Google every month with that comment, uh, God hates me. So um, send me an email, love to hear from you, barry at turningthepage.co.nz, and um, come over to the website, you can read more about this, read the whole post. And just another big thank you to those people who generously give a little bit of a donation each month to help me do what I'm doing. It's really important and uh, certainly just makes everything work. <laughs> okay, so until next week, may you know at a deep, deep heart level 
that God loves you. Okay, bye.